What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Hey everyone, what's up? Happy Friday. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer. Welcome to episode 96 of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Today's episode is titled Building a Foundational Success, Foundations of Success, I should say, on Amazon. Uh, just quickly about Crossover Commerce, we're presented by Ping Pong Payments and a little bit about Ping Pong. We transfer more than $150 million a day for e commerce sellers just like you, um, helping over 1 million customers now. Ping Pong has processed over $90 billion worldwide in cross-border payments. So to start saving money today, just go ahead and sign up for a free account through the link below. It's going to be in the show notes. Make sure you check that out today. You don't want to leave money on the table. Check out Ping Pong to help you guys with that. Uh, a big welcome to our audience who's watching us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you're not watching us live, that's okay because this will be on audio format as well. Um, listening to us is as simple as checking or searching for crossover commerce on Amazon Music, Spot or Amazon Podcasts, I should say, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, um, wherever truly a podcast is going to be. Go ahead and search for crossover commerce, and that's where I'm going to be. There is season one out all today. It finally got released, uh, but this is season two, and season two will be wrapping up next week. And if you guys are counting. Season one was 30 episodes. Season two is 70 episodes. We got a lot of audio com content coming your way. So stay tuned for that. They will be released. But the way you get notified of that, follow me on social media or follow Ping Pong on social media, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, or Facebook. They all work the same. We're going to be letting you guys know when that content drops. Um, but the beauty about this show is I go live right now about four to five times per week with experts and leaders in the Amazon and e-commerce space, just like our guest today. So if you want to be notified or you want to just hear great nuggets of wisdom coming from our um, our guests that come on this show, go ahead and subscribe to that notification on the bottom right-hand corner, whether it's follow us or getting notified when we go live. That's the easiest way to be notified. And all this goes and lives uh, live unedited on YouTube. So go ahead and check that out. Just follow Ping Pong Payments and search for a crossover commerce playlist. That is where this content will live. So that being said, it's not just about me. If it was about me, uh, it would it would just be a one person talking show. So that wouldn't be very exciting. So that's why I bring guests on the show. Uh, but about our guests today, if you are if you don't know them, uh, a little quick introduction, uh, both of them, Blake Hilton and Brian Johnson of Canopy Management and a little bit about Blake. You're right. I heard add two people. Typically, it's a one on one, but this is a two on one today. So I'll get excited for that. Uh, Blake is actually an Amazon strategist with Canopy Management, partnering with Amazon brands uh, to become more competitive, uh, giving them a more competitive advantage, I should say, in the e-commerce space. Still a student of the game, he has risen up the ranks and become Amazon expert, managing over a billion dollars in managed revenue. Awesome. Uh, and then Brian, uh, Brian is one of the more... Uh, I would say the face of Canopy uh, through his advertising agency, which makes sense. Uh, Canopy Management has become a, uh, a well sought after uh, company in space and is highly successful in Amazon advertising, consultancy, community and training uh, soft and software. And he has also helped over 200,000 brands, excuse me, 20,000 brands. I don't want to give him uh, <laughs> more credit than what he, when he told me. So I'm, I need to learn how to read uh, 20,000 brands to grow a billion in Amazon sales using exclusive seed to forest system. Um, curious to hear more about that. So we'll, we'll kind of check that out as well. 
which leverages the latest advertising practices and strategies. The results of his products and services deliver continue to put him in high demand with companies both large and small around the world. Great stuff, guys. I'm really excited to bring on both Blake and Brian of Canopy Management. Guys, welcome to Crossover Commerce. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Brian, you're in the middle of what, nowhere? Like you're traveling like the United States. Is that is that still happening? <laughs> oh, you're on mute, man. <laughs> there you go. Sure, why not? Love shows. Uh, yes, uh, I am on a two and a half month road trip with my family. We are currently at Bear Lake, Utah. Um, wow. And so this morning it was about 28 degrees and uh, we're going to start heading south again. Uh, we're on the we're on the the second half of this uh, road trip, so that's amazing. So what? Why? Why two and a half months? Like I, I'm just curious. Like Blake, you're what at home still? You're not. Yeah. You don't get that luxury to travel around like Brian is right now, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope, though, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is one of those things where um, you you know, as business owners, we always kind of look forward to when you know when we get kind of the payoff, right? When we actually get to the point where we can start making choices that are benefiting our family. We work really hard. Obviously, anybody who's an entrepreneur knows that you know you work seventy hours a week, so you don't have to do a forty hour a week job. Um, and so this is one of those things where if you don't plan for if you don't set a goal in order to achieve a certain level of success um, and you don't and you actually take that reward you actually take advantage of the fact that you work so hard to get to a point then you're just grinding yourself into the ground and so this was part um, rewarding myself and my family for uh, the effort that we put in the patience that we've had over the years um, and this was a chance uh, obviously COVID provided us um, an opportunity to get on the road, travel and see family that we hadn't seen in over a year. And so we started out of uh, Austin, San Antonio, Texas area and headed west, along the west coast up to uh, Oregon and Washington state. And then now we're inland a little bit and we're now we're going to head south through national parks and um, at the same time, get the opportunity to be on shows like this one um, out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And you're working remote. Like we've had digital quote unquote digital nomads in the space, but you're running, you're running a business, not just selling on Amazon. You have a full team that you have to respond to. So I know like if you're not able to get be reached, you might be in the middle of a forest somewhere, anything like that. What, what's kind of like that maybe from Blake's point of view or Brian, your point of view of, was there a hesitancy to kind of like quote unquote, not be in a home office or your office there? You guys are located in Texas, right? Well, so yeah, we're, we're headquartered in Austin, Texas, but we actually, our team is actually uh, located around the world. I don't know, Blake, I'm not sure if we're at what, uh, gosh, 12, 14 countries, I think yeah. across our team. Really? Yeah. About 14. Wow. We are, we've always been a virtual team. Um, and so when things changed around in 2020, didn't impact us at all. In fact, we were able to take advantage of it. We already had our working style down. Um, this is simply just me taking the working remote to an extreme because it requires me to have um, some rather expensive uh, cell phone and routing equipment <laughs> to make sure that I get a signal out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I was going to say, my God, like you must have a great internet setup. Like I'm not sure what you require, but I'm sure it's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it required quite a bit of testing before I, before I actually got permission to uh, to leave the home office. So, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's really cool. So, like, is this the first time that you've like quote unquote take this like extend? Because I know, like, we yeah. said foundation. Like, I, I I thought this was really cool. Blake sent over a couple of things he liked talking about. I think 
we don't always pull back the curtain and see like how this affects not just service providers, but Amazon sellers of why they get into this. A lot of people thought, I'm going to do this as a side hustle, make extra money. But now it's obviously evolved into more of a full-time job. And if you're going from one 40 to 60 to 80 hour work week to another one, what what's the trade-off there? So maybe like, have you, how have you kind of seen that evolution in your time on Amazon to help people kind of, you know, rely on a service, maybe like your guys's or other people around them to like take that time away. And I can go, go fishing with my friends or I can go travel the United States or the world even, um, and not worry about like losing out on revenue. I definitely have my point of view. I'd love to obviously give Blake a chance to interject yeah, Blake, your thoughts. Yeah. Blake, you're a dad. Like what, what's that been like for you? So, and that's the thing is it's always, you know, you're always trying to find that thing. You're always trying to find the, um, the residual income, so to speak, you know, whether it's a side hustle or this is a full-time job, what we're starting to, to see is a lot of the sellers that do come to Canopy, um, you know, they're coming for a various number of reasons, but usually it's either they're coming for knowledge. They want to get a knowledge base on Amazon on how to really grow their business, or they're coming to us because they don't have time. Um, whether it's that side hustle where now they have to dedicate extra hours away from their family to manage their Amazon business, or, you know, they just don't have the time to tap into the specific, you know, strategies and things to really get their store going. So, you know, coming to an agency is something that, you know, gives them, you know, kind of both sides of the coin so they can you know, have their, their normal job nine to five and then have their side hustle, but not have to dedicate as much time to it because they have somebody, you know, taking care of the baby or, or taking care of that business for them. Um, but we're starting to see that shift to where a lot of people that are current Amazon sellers are looking to, um, I guess, automate that, looking for an easier way to still have the business, still get that income but still have that time with that family that they, that they want and desire. So that's what we're starting to see a little bit more. Um, but, you know, due to COVID, you know, we've obviously seen a ramp up in Amazon sellers and a ramp up in people that are wanting to generate income um, from home uh, on a, on a different level. So it's super exciting to see for sure. I kind of add to what Blake was saying there is, um, you know, it's not simply just the entrepreneurs that, you know, the people who have created from scratch their, you know, their 3P, you know, uh, business. It's, we're seeing quite a few of the, the product manufacturers, those that are typically brick and mortar retail kind of product lines. Um, again, because of COVID, because of 2020, the shift has been um, over to e-commerce and they're starting to realize um, that as they get a lot more shift shift into e-commerce and uh, drop shipping and uh, direct consumer uh, type of transactions. They realize where the weak points are in their network of resellers and wholesalers and these types of relationships. And so a lot of them are starting to really step up and and start handling the transactions themselves. You know, they've got their own e-commerce on their on their site. They're starting to replace uh, their wholesalers and the resellers on channels like Amazon uh, by handling it themselves with their own team or with an agency like Canopy. Um, and that obviously gives them quite a bit of leverage. Now that creates some pressure and some competition on these startup uh, brands and these, you know, these early brands that don't have these large teams necessarily or big deep pockets. Um, and so you have to get a lot more 
uh, tactical as far as how do you work around some of the no, uh, you know, well-known brands? How do you how do you differentiate your products? How do you position your products? How do you make sure that you've got the visibility that you're you're actually gaining market share on Amazon and not just slipping it away? That's obviously why uh, agencies like Canopy Management, uh, you know, came into existence and how we've developed our entire system is to solve those problems that are absolutely critical right now. So when, when we're starting a foundation, like foundation to me, like anything is like, you want a solid core, you don't want it to be something such as like, we'll, we'll talk about last year when you couldn't send inventory into FB warehouses, um, something like that kind of hits your, your structure and it all collapses, right? Like it's a, it's like a house of cards. If something massive like that, or even how logistics nowadays are so backed up, trying to get inventory into warehousing uh, rates and, you know, amounts of inventory you can get in for one SKU, it's fluctuating all the time. When something like that isn't secure where you have, you can pivot and say, hey, listen, we have all this other either structural or even like strength in other areas of our business what are the ways that if people are starting out on Amazon, like we're going to lay the, we're going to lay the foundation. What are the ways we need to ensure future success? Something crazy like a COVID happens or something like a logistics chain problem breaks. What are the basics that we need to set in order to be successful as entrepreneurs online? You know, I mean, it, it's a tough question, obviously, you know, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of parts to it, but I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, you know, especially at Canopy and from Brian, you know, he says this all the time is, you know, if you're an Amazon seller that is looking to, you know, be put on Amazon or even, I mean, even if you're not, you're just a business owner in general. I mean, your job is to um, not only generate revenue, but solve somebody's problem, you know? So if you have a business, you know, off of Amazon or even on Amazon, the biggest key is, can you solve somebody's issue? Um, whether you're selling a cup or selling, you know, some technology that's going to save the world, you know, if you can solve somebody's problem and do it efficiently, then that's going to be obviously the, the stepping stone to being successful in business, but especially on Amazon. Brian, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, I, th I think Blake uh, framed that really well. Um, I know we certainly see um, whether it is, you know, Shopify or Amazon or any e-commerce channel, we, we definitely see where there's always, there's a progression that occurs. This occurs with any platform, uh, Google, um, uh, Facebook, you know, anything that has any kind of transaction or communication to people, people adapt um, consumers, for instance, in an e-commerce world, they adapt to the message that are constantly seeing. And usually it's within a couple of years. Um, you may have heard the term back in the Google search days as far as banner blindness, right? And that's mm -hmm. essentially where people, they get so used to seeing something that they start ignoring it. Their subconscious just turns it off, right? And so we absolutely see that within, like say the Amazon sales channel, um, primarily because there are practices that were put in place by brands from teaching that was five years ago that they're still using today. Mm -hmm. They're literally still using it today. That creates a huge opportunity for those who are coming in and learning what is working right now um, and really um, focusing in on how do I, as, as Blake put it, it's like, you're, you're basically, you're solving a need, right? If you're not able to solve a need, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> you're, you're failing the consumer. If like, if they have a need and you have a product and you're not getting it in front of them and you're not communicating to them directly, as far as what's in it for them, if they, what are the benefits to them, if they own that product, 
then you're failing them as a marketer, as a brand owner, and you're failing that consumer who has a need that you can solve, but maybe you're using an old strategy because you're simply just copying what was taught years ago and not staying current. That's part of the advantage. Um, you know, like, like Blake had mentioned earlier, is that that's kind of the advantage of working with um, an agency is you have, um, you know, it's not simply just, you know, handing something off because I don't have time or not having the knowledge. It is constantly staying on top of what is currently working right now, this month, this quarter, this week on Amazon. What did Amazon roll out this week that impacts how I do business and how I own part of my market share? How do I dominate my product niche? Um, and most brands fail to do that and they don't even realize it because they're simply just going on blindly and they're working their 70, 80 hours a week and they're thinking that they're working hard. This is something I used to do myself is I simply just used to put more hours into it, 80, 90, 100 hours a week. I can outwork this problem. I think that's actually a common problem among men and entrepreneurs in general um, is I can outwork this problem. Sure. A true business owner who learns how to scale um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the billionaire code. Um, billionaire code is kind of a, a map um, right. that uh, Alex Charfin had, had published. That I created a whole poster and got it up on my office wall. But it's basically working an entrepreneur, any business from startup through $100 million a year. And there's different stages that you have to get over these hurdles. You have to solve problems. And if you try to skip anything, you'll get shot right back down again. And so part of that is as a business owner is that you have to continue to grow. And you have to constantly look at your business and say, where am I, where am I dragging down my own business? Where am I getting in the way? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was going to say, so a lot of that in my mind, I, I've heard a lot of different stories of like almost, almost like this timeline of when business actually happened on Amazon. So you guys made a couple different points of like people came are coming more online now more than ever. Um, it's almost like waves, right? We saw this big wave of FBA really start in 2014, 15. And I think that this is like the chrono. If we had to write a history of like Amazon sellers and third-party sellers online, I would say like the beginning would be around this wild west era would be 2014, 15, where you could throw a product online, sell it for crazy amounts of money, theoretically, if you did it semi-okay. And then people are just purchasing it without even knowing what's going on. But now we've seen an evolution. Like we saw people get smarter, work harder, and build a brand but now we've started a new chapter in 20 uh 2020 of i've always say the phrase we've transitioned from selling on or buying online went from a luxury now to a necessity so now we're now we have more needs online whether it's grocery whether it's just hey i need toilet paper or something like that where it's almost like tangible goods like you you may not need like food like every single day but now you're just constantly buying literally everything notebooks um thermos mugs, like computers, like all now because you need it and work from home or some other sort for sort of reason. Now we've changed and gone into a new chapter and it's re-educating people. What are those different things that worked back then that are not working now that you guys have seen? I mean, on the Amazon channel, it was mostly just treating the, this e-commerce platform as a search engine and talking to the search engine, trying to convince the search engine to, sh to show my product. And you're basically just stuffing in keywords and everything like old Google SEO that you're trying to get the search engine convinced that you're relevant and your product is 
uh, can be found by the search engine. And frankly, with machine learning and AI that Amazon has implemented, they don't need much of our help anymore. But the problem is that, that same format is still being taught today that was used five years ago and it's no longer relevant. And so a lot of brands are actually getting put in a worse position because they're just getting pooled in with all the rest, hundreds, sometimes thousands, sometimes even tens of thousands of competitive products within their product niche. And they lack the ability currently to get noticed by eyeballs. You know, you're scanning through your mobile phone or your desktop as a shopper and you just, you don't see anything. It's all a blur because you just, everything looks the same. Okay. You know, you start, you're focused, you know, it's not until something sharp, like a bright red, bright blue motion, you know, video ad, something catches your eye that you actually stop and pay attention. Well, that's the problem that all product niches have, whether it's Amazon or anywhere else is how do I actually grab the attention of the shopper, which 90, 95% of the brands on Amazon and any other e-commerce channel fail to grab the shopper, really differentiate from the others that they're sitting right next to. And so consumers are just scanning right over the top of them and not even paying attention that, oh, this particular product has a specific benefit or value to me that I wasn't aware of because they don't even see it in the first place. That's just product differentiation. That's not even mm -hmm. highlighting the key benefits to the shopper to say, to shouting at them and saying, look, I have what you need and I have something special in my product. Consumers just, you know, banner blindness, you know, they're like, there's 10,000 options. I'm not going to make a decision here. Right. So Blake, in that, in that same vein, what are the basics that people use to differentiate themselves? Like, what are you guys seeing for successful brands, either with yourself or even online? You're like, Hey, that's cool. That caught my eye. What are those basic functionalities? Yeah. I mean, the big, the biggest deal is like I was saying, and you know, previously is solving a problem, but also doing it better than your competitor whether it's the, the visibility, making sure that you're being more visible um, and creating that traffic, creating a name for yourself. So living behind your brand um, or even just as simple as, you know, you see your competitor's product and you feel like you can do it a little bit better then obviously do it a little bit better. Um, whether it's a change in product or change in strategy as far as marketing. But what we're seeing is like Brian was saying, everybody's a little bit outdated when it comes to, strategies on Amazon. I mean, they're forever changing. They're always, you know, updating things. They're always making things changed on Amazon. Um, so it's really just the, um, not only it's, it's, it's learning, it's learning all the new various things that Amazon brings to the table, um, just to get visibility. The biggest key is, is getting seen, uh, against your competitor. And that's, if that's a better product, if that's better marketing, if that's better pictures, you know, whatever it is, it's just getting that visibility um, to prove that that you're making moves in the market versus your competitor. Um, and a lot of the time, because the new things are rolling out, people that were on Amazon previously haven't implemented those. Um, so their competitors are. So now they're playing from behind instead of, you know, playing from from the front. So. Yeah, Brian, do you have any good examples that you've seen that have like really caught you either as a consumer or as a as a brand of you know, I was scrolling, like you said, I think we make the statistic is we make less than three seconds. We make a decision if we're going to move on, we're mm -hmm. scrolling, we're swiping, right. We're going down, we're clicking to the next, uh, Netflix show or whatever it is. We make we make a quick, pretty quick conscientious decision. If we want to engage in that, well, what's one that's caught your eye that they've done well. Yeah. Don't get me started. I'm, I'm a research and development geek. So, uh, you know, I, I, I we'll talk data all, and... all day long, man, <laughs> 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 like let's, let's so, go. 
Uh, I've done studies. Uh, I actually have built um, uh, systems where we actually, um, you know, essentially do polls, do interviews of, of shoppers um, in the moment for, for a specific search um, to say, okay, what actually grabs your attention, for instance. Um, you know, just to try to see, it's like, okay, what are they actually seeing? What stands out? The the, the red color, the bright red, the bright blue color, the motion. These are uh, what I mentioned earlier. Those are actual examples of essentially the top three things that grab people's attention currently. Um, sometimes it's a case of, um, you know, there's an example that I use when it comes to uh, shoes and office chairs, uh, where we actually were consulting uh, with a brand. And it was something as simple where everybody had mirrored, you know, consciously or unconsciously, all the brands had mirrored their products, thinking that that was an Amazon format that they needed to follow when in fact, it simply is just what the masses chose within their competitive set. And so we were able to increase, you know, I was able to, through, through coaching, through consulting, able to increase not only uh, shopper engagement, in other words, people come visit the product listing, but also conversion rate, simply by making, first and foremost, a change to the main image. Number one, the main image, um, in order to grab that shopper's attention. It could be something as simple as every product is pointed, is facing a little bit to one side, and you face yours to the other side. You know, or you've got more white space or less white space. A common mistake that I see brands make is the, the like, well, I've got one main product and I've got 10 accessories and I'm going to put them all into the main image. And then you basically have this image that's just packed full of things that people can't mentally absorb. Like you said, you've got three seconds, maybe five seconds in order for somebody to understand what you're telling them, appreciate it and either stay or go. And that includes the main image that includes the title which is shorter on, on mobile. Um, and of course, if they actually get to your product listing, those first three features, those first three bullet points, if they don't understand exactly what's in it for them in the first three to five seconds, they get confused, they get doubt, and that's the number one killer for conversion rate. Mm -hmm. And it's, right. it's so easy right now for us to just kind of look at a product niche and just say like, here's where all your competitors are screwing it up. Here's how we're gonna help you fix that so that you stand out, so that you gain market share, so that you get the consumer attention. What, what's one, what's a, a good example that has seen the most like change or the most effectiveness? Is it imaging or is it, uh, is it more content or in, in terms of like the product listing? It always seems to start with, with what, what do consumers, how do you get the consumer in the first place? You know, like an analogy mm -hmm. I use is, you know, people if they're applying for a job and they send out a resume and they just like, blah, they just, dump their entire life onto, you know, three pages of, of a resume. And then they wonder why nobody looks at it. You didn't catch their attention in five seconds, you know, so you're, you're, you got dumped. The same thing is what's the very first thing that most people look at on Amazon. It's going to be the image. Most people mm -hmm. are visual, right? Second, it's going to usually be what's something that catches their eye in the title. Now, subconsciously people also finally start looking at things like price and reviews um, as, in order to help make their decision. But we play in the game where we have uh, partners, we have clients um, that consistently sell a better product that is 10, 20, $30 more expensive than most other products in their, in their business. We don't tell them to drop their price. We tell them you need to showcase the fact that your product is better and you start that with the main image. We have a whole creative services team that helps us, you know, that helps us nail this. But 
Um, you start with the main image. Wow, my camera just <laughs> blew up there. Um, it's all good. You start with the main image, uh, then you work on the title and the feature bullets, and then ultimately that's going to increase the eye grab first, and then the the click through, the engagement second, and then ultimately going to keep them on the page long enough to likely convert by reassuring them that yes, you're in the right place. Here's here's the benefit that you're going to get. Uh, here are the benefits you're going to get out of this product, and so. We've seen examples where, um, you know, it, it was just the main image, and there's also the the other images and the videos and all these things, you know, contribute. You know, like one percent here, five percent here, twenty percent there, um, as far as the overall engagement uh, increase and the conversion rate increase. But it's not uncommon, at least for us, uh, to see 30 40 percent increase in engagement and conversion rate because. Of the way that we focus, we actually look at the consumer and say, "What is it that they're really? What's their pain point? What is their need?" As Blake said, "Are we solving the need? Are we telling them what their need are? Are we just stuffing in words that they might be searching for and hope that we happen to catch them like a like a you know catching a fish in a net?" And ultimately, we need to do better than that. As as a business owner, brand owner, we need to care enough to put in the extra work to read through the reviews of our own product, of our competitor products, and actually see what is causing pain among the consumer and solve it. And then and then showcase that in our listings. So the people understand that like, you solved my problem. Thank you. Right. Now's done our job. Right. In the way that I see that too, because we're so visual, like, sorry, America, like we seem, we seem pretty lazy now. Like it's all in a swipe functionality of like, what's going to capture me. And it, and it really, the stuff that does in general is the contrast in terms of either color or in terms of like what you see on the page. Like you said, if you're, if you're scrolling through just the search term and what, what's going to really stand out, if it's going to be, you know, a different color or just different variation, that's the starting point. Or then once you get in there and you're doing a comparison, you start going lifestyle imagery, how, how to like a cost comparison. You start to really go down the rabbit hole then um, just like you're shopping for home, right? Like what, what's going to capture me on the outside. It's the outside of the, of the, of the home. And then on the inside, you kind of see all the functionality, like, will this work for me? Like, will this solve our problem as a family? So like, you really like either paint your house, like, bright neon green or something crazy like that. I like I say green because that's your guys' logo. Yeah, no. Maybe maybe that's what you're doing. Right? I don't know. <laughs> but you know, that, that is something that, you're, you're absolutely correct on that is that the real estate agent will constantly say like curb appeal, curb appeal has got to be nailed. Otherwise we don't even get them in the door. Nope. Right. You don't get the job interview. You don't get them in the door to even consider the rest of your product and what's in it for them if the mm -hmm. curb appeal sucks. Cause how are we shopping online on Zillow? And I'm, I'm looking at all the different ones that match my quote unquote needs. Like you were talking about, even on Amazon, we're going to apply this back to Amazon, but all my needs, if I at the front picture or the front of the home doesn't look how I want, it, I'm like, eh, pass like, and yeah. not even look at it again. The inside might be amazing or we're all just very much a, a curb appeal. Like you said, uh, society. And if it doesn't fit our, like our fits and needs and looks, then we're going to move on to it. Um, that, that's why if it's something completely shaped, like for example, an application that I caught my eye was a box cutter, super simple need. I searched box cutter. What caught my eye was a different shape of this box cutter. It went a, it was a very simple one, but instead of the traditional, like one knife, it was a, it curled in the back and it has a spring loaded. And I go, 
that's a box cutter. And I clicked in the ad, which again, I do it all the time. I'm sorry for people. I didn't purchase that one, but, um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's not your client and I cost them uh, a couple of cents or a dollar or so, but I clicked on it, watched the video and they go, that's, that's interesting. And it caught my attention, but then I started thinking about it. Eh, maybe I'll just go up more with price or more reviews. And this one just seemed very new and, and different for what I didn't need at this time, but it stood out because everything else had all these different packs and it stood out. I looked into the brand and I was just curious of what more do they sell? So stuff like that, you're differentiating in terms of shape, cost, color. Those are the yeah. various different degrees. I think really initially stand out in that regards. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. In our yeah. tests, actually, we, you know, the, just oddities, things that like, like something's wrong with this picture gets people to click, gets people to notice it in the first place. And then if they're curious, like you were, you click through on it. So mm -hmm. that, that is absolutely true. That is human behavior. And um, yes, just simply standing out from everything else that's surrounding it from the clutter is, is how you get that first step, how you get the attention. Absolutely. What about, um, so we're, we're talking about like United States, obviously. And again, for anyone who's watching or listening to us online on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, again, give us a shout out. If you want to say like hi to everyone, um, shout out to one of the friends of the show, Sharon Evan, who's, who's staying up late in Israel. Like she, mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's Friday night. Like, what are you doing? Staying awake watching. Uh, Sharon is a beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was messaging Sharon before this. And I said like, Hey, like I'm talking my hundredth episode next week. I was like, you need to hop on. Like I appreciate if you did. So, uh, shout out to Sharon and all of her, uh, her team over there. But, uh, I guess my other question for you guys, we're, we're talking U S market, but our, our audience is, is international. We're talking anywhere from like Canada to India to, you know, uh, United Emirates, we're talking Japan, so many different customer mindsets are around the world. Um, and I had the most interesting conversations when we talk about localization and talking about the consumer mindsets in different cultures and what appeals to different people. And I didn't even think about this way of certain colors people will not be attracted to or it offends them in terms of that regards. How are you guys as an agency? Are you just working on .com or are we working Amazon and e-businesses and platforms around the world to be for the audience? Do you guys just work on Amazon or are we working on marketplaces all around the world? Yeah, we're in um, multiple marketplaces. Actually, just about every marketplace. Is that is that correct now? I know Australia just re recently got kind of kicked up and going, um, but we're just about in everything. Obviously, there's some nuance every now and then, um, but we're just about in every single marketplace from from what I'm understanding. Is that correct, Brian? That is true, yeah. And, and like, Ryan, what you mentioned, of course, is that one of the major nuances, of course, is language, you know, um, mm -hmm. barrier of language, uh, cultural understanding. Um, we, um, we actually hire multilingual tra translators with listing optimizations to make sure that, that somebody who is native to that uh, to that marketplace understands not only the language, but also the culture. Uh, we've seen way too many times where somebody has used a Google translate or an Amazon translator or some kind of automated translation service. Um, and we go in there and have a native speaker actually look at the listing. And there, sometimes we find it's like, wow, that is really offensive. That needs to change today. Um, and so sometimes the, um, people aren't even aware of it just because they just don't know the language or the culture as well. Right. So is there, when, when regarding this, Amazon sellers growing internationally, you need to know the basics, right? It's almost like starting over and like rebuilding and establishing yourself. You don't have to like clearly start from, you know, scratch in terms of uh, building out your product, but it's how you present it, like how you repackage it. 
what what are the basics for you guys to saying like this is successful here in the United States, but what what's going to work for us here in you know Canada, for example, or even let's let's talk about like Japan. Like, what are those different ways that you guys are helping understand those marketplaces and consumer mentalities to to say we're going to start from scratch, make sure we're not a either offending everyone, but also standing out to those cultures. I think the one that honestly we've had probably the, the toughest time with is Japan and that seems to be kind of a common one because the culture is significantly different. You know, we think it's like, oh, it's something just a matter of language translation. It's really not. Um, culture, um, if you don't have uh, an inside input and understanding of a culture, you could really, you know, your, your product could be a miss. You know, it really mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes um, we we typically recommend, I'm a big fan of Pareto and 80-20, and so a lot of times I'm like going, okay, where's the market for this particular product? Yes, you can go into every single market, but do you really have the resources in order to really maintain that, engage that, and support that kind of a product um, in, in the different cultures? Um, and so a lot of the times, it's not simply just as easy as stick to, to English, for instance. It's more of a case of stick to the markets who understand your messaging you're putting forth in your product and that's that's and sometimes you got to test it and just see like okay you know is it working or not right what, what would be like a successful like uh localization in your mind that you guys have worked on for a customer is that is that mainly just like translation focused or is it even product packaging like what, what would be a successful in your eyes you you stepped in, in in an international market and you've really reset the basics and say listen like the imaging was not speaking to this audience you have to change it and once you changed it you saw an uptick in either consumer uh, sales or just like click throughs or what, what were some examples for you guys the two that, that come to mind actually would be probably one for canada one for germany um i won't, won't mention their names on here but um, sure. germany was more cultural and Canada was actually more um, weather related, funny enough. So that was more of a case where um, the, the products weren't previously being sold in Canada and nobody else was selling the product in Canada. We're not selling bikinis, are we? Or anything no, no, no. like warm weather related? No, yeah, you, you always, well, <laughs> that's a whole different discussion. As far as <laughs> We're not talking about that weather related. <laughs> yeah, there, there are definitely some dual audiences when it comes to certain products. Um, uh, nighttime face masks. Don't get me started. Um, there you go. The, uh, yeah, but with Canada, for instance, that was more of a blue ocean, blue ocean opportunity. It's like, well, there's no, you know, there's no uh, competition there. Well, um, as it turns out, um, it was because um, the way that the product was being presented, uh, the Canadian market didn't understand. It was more. It was. Um, it was being referred to by using an American cultural term, slang, American slang, if you will, and the Canadian market, they're like, I, you know, I don't know what that is. That means something else here. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until um, we, we, we actually repositioned that product. It was, just, it was just one product, but until we repositioned that product and actually started asking, you know, people who are, you know, in the Canadian markets, like, like what's going on here that we really discovered. It's like, like, oh, of course. You know, it's kind of a famous one that you probably have heard from from years past is um, uh, the Chevy Nova, right? You know, the right. Chevy Nova being sold in Mexico, which, you know, uh, no, Nova, which would be no, no go. And so the the, the theory Chevy's was no go. Know, exactly. Yeah, Psychology. Chevy no go, so, right. Exactly. Um, 
it's, you know, I don't know how true that story is, but it is analogous of understanding is that what you think it means here can definitely mean something different. That was actually the same kind of case with uh, in the German market. And that was mostly a a translation issue, but there was also like a federal compliance issue where that kind of product had to be modified in a certain way with the packaging in order to comply with local laws. So that kind of localization was more about like, okay, we actually have to come up with whole new packaging for this particular market. Right. Most brands, you know, most, most tiny brands, they can't absorb that kind of a, of a change, at least not right away. And so, you know, pick your battles, go into the markets where, where what you've already created, you can continue to sell and leverage, and you're not having to add on additional staff and additional resources in order to, um, to, to customize to a specific market. You're still trying to test. Right. Like any idea or any things that you had to manage or you had success with in terms of those kinds of marketplaces and, you know, changes that we we were talking about. Majority of it's just going to be, you know, the culture or regulations that go with the specific, you know, marketplace that you're going to be in. You know, we have, you know, we have Amazon sellers that, and partners that come on with us that, that have no problem, you know, navigating to other marketplaces. And then, you know, that that's super simple, super streamlined, you know, we can do that rocket. And then, you know, there's going to be some nuance, like Brian was saying, you know, with the culture, it changes, it changes some things, you know, so you can't sell specific things in Russia or Germany or wherever that you can in the United States, just because the the cultural barrier that you're going to have to get through, they may not see it. Now, I know people talk about all the time, you know, especially on on that side of the, the world that, you know, we're, we're easily amused over here in the United States, but you know, I can't, I can't say that that's not true. Um, so something that would naturally sell quick, like let's say a fidget spinner for whatever reason, just as an example, that probably gained a whole bunch of traction in the United States. It may not have gained as much traction in, in, in other countries. So we're just easily amused over here is what I'm starting to, uh, to start to notice at least. We see it a lot more pronounced even than the U.S. market when it comes to religious items. Amazon is, is pretty strict there. Obviously they do have a bias. Don't, Hopefully, no nobody nobody who's selling on Amazon thinks that they're playing fair. They do have bias, including religious biases, um, and so sometimes that is reflected if the product is um, is geared toward a specific audience, even within the United States. Sometimes the messaging, the advertising, um, has to be reduced or or uh, more focused in order to. Um, uh, in order to actually still be shown to not be delisted by Amazon, right? Because Amazon will literally say, it's like, no, that violates our times terms of service. And yet the very same thing in a different li- religion, for instance, may not. Yeah. You know, right. They're not consistent. And there's, they're obviously showing a bias when it comes to certain, certain products, even within uh, a marketplace that we're most familiar with, for instance. Well, that, that that's something fascinating. We haven't like brought up on the show. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts and we don't have to like go too in depth, but in terms of religion or like belief system, uh, you're talking about products that maybe have either like screen printed, screen printed or sayings or phrasing, or even tangible goods or trinkets that would be representative of a religion aspect. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Amazon does not allow or does not promote or push 
as much as like other products in that space. Well, Tim, we, we tend to do it like, say, say like uh, sponsor brand ads, for instance, tends to have more restrictions than other ad types on Amazon when it comes to the terminology that you're using and, and targeting. Um, and so usually what we see first is when we're running, like say a sponsor brand headline ad, um, we try to use certain terminology that might be religious based or, you know, is related to something that is related to a religious holiday, for instance. Um, the, what Amazon will do is they'll say, it's like, no, that, that term is not allowed in the title, for instance. And it's definitely more pronounced. Um, it's not like they completely ignore one religion and say, Hey, you can do anything you want. It's more right. of a case of some religions, um, have, uh, are, have a very pronounced, uh, a much larger list of restricted words than others, you know? And right. so they're kind of go, Oh, you can't say that it might offend somebody. And of course, you know, America in, in our, in our, our media system has created a culture of, uh, people who get easily offended. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of where America is right now. Mm -hmm. And then that, you, and that's being put, that kind of pressure is being put on companies like Amazon to restrict content. Is that, is that a market that's actually very popular, uh, in terms of like products being sold on Amazon or does yeah. it have to, okay. Because that's, I mean, that's, that's something that I'm searching on Amazon. Yeah. Because actually, I mean, from basis, like I grew up in, I mean, I have always known like retail stores to be very prominent in like one category or another, whether it's like a Christian bookstore or something like that. That's the term that always pops up in my head where you're talking about like a Jewish synagogue and like tea, like selling products or services that like apply to either faith, like, uh, you know, um, just like, uh, celebrating Hanukkah or celebrating other religious aspects. But in that regards, how does Amazon, this is the invitation. Like you said, it, it's almost like a cultural thing that we've shifted a little bit of comments can come through in terms of like negativity because it's almost geared towards not just the product, but past that it almost has like this background effect of like, you know, I, I won't say it to offend anyone, but like they can be targeted attack towards like a belief system and not the actual product itself. So how does like in that regards, how do you protect, like, how do you protect the person's background? And it doesn't be religion. It could be like, right. uh, it could be like for women or men, or it could be for like, um, different, um, heritages or anything like that. How do you protect it from going past just the product and more targeted towards like a, a culture or aspect like that? You know, it's not even in the reviews even, it doesn't even get that far. You know, it's not like people make a, you know, make comments like, oh, I was offended by your product in a product review or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's really more of Amazon has obviously gotten pressure um, either internally from their own, you know, their own staff or uh, maybe the customer bases, you know, they're reporting directly to them. It's not even in the review system. It is in the policies that Amazon puts in place that says, hey, you know what, there's certain words that we, we're just going to play it safe. We're not going to allow that. You know, uh, Amazon uh, this quarter is in the last six months probably has been on a big, we'll call it a witch hunt regarding any terms that are pesticide related. Well, those typically come down right. things like FDA or, you know, FTC or any kind of like, like uh, federal organization says, we're going to shut you down unless you comply with what we want. Mm -hmm. um, but things that are like cultural based, um, I, I believe that's probably more of their own internal policies of playing it safe. Um, and sure. so it's not even the review system because it, I rarely see things that are offensive, at least nothing that stays up for any length of time in the product review system. Um, it is more of what does Amazon restrict from even being included in the first place? Right. Why, why pesticides all of a sudden? Like, like, do you have any insight or like, <clears throat> I, I hear that more, more and more with people. Are like, I, 
yeah. COVID triggered a, a big yep. upheaval of, of people saying like, hey, this protects you from germs. And, you mm -hmm. know, but now mm -hmm. they've extended that out to like, you can't have terms like uh, the word mold or, you know, anything that basically does any good, you know, it's like if you're trying Vir to- Yeah, kills virus, kills bacteria. Right, and exactly. like, you just, you just associate it under pesticide because- yeah, any, And it doesn't even have to be like, that's not the purpose of the product, but maybe you say, you know, it's like, you know, the, the packaging is mold free, for instance, or mold resistant, for instance, that gets, that gets pulled. The whole right. product is violation. What do we say? It's, it's almost like a scorched earth mentality of, you know, COVID came out. So everybody started, you know, putting, you know, COVID related products on Amazon. And now you have to get that approved. And then you can't say that it kills germs or you can't say that it kills a disease or it cures an ailment or, you know, you can't pretty much say anything, especially with the pesticide. You can have a pesticide that that kills 99.9% of anything that you put on it and it's legit but you can't say that because you know you can't make claims that potentially can be 0.1 percent untrue exactly. um, yeah just they're just going with the scorched earth method of you know we're going to go that way so everybody gets it now it's a blank is, that the, was is that the right thing to do is that the right thing to do in your guys's mind it's a safe legal thing to do that yeah that's what i was going to say it, it's legally okay um do i think it's in the best interest of making money and business that's to be questioned but do i think that it's the it's the right legal move just to kind of protect yourself and your protect your sellers yeah i think so right i mean we've, we've seen it before like if people have products and again people are still unclear as a seller the basics are hey if i sell a product and it comes like it like a, a hair curl or something like that and it burn someone's face or something like that or explodes in someone's face or something like with electronics. I mean, this could be like my child gets sick or chokes on it or yada, yada, yada. Who's liable for this? So the basics of it is protect yourself, but also protect sellers. I know Amazon's focus is obviously protect oneself clearly that as a marketplace, but then as a seller, the basics of I'm going into business, do you guys any have any sort of like um, tips or like maybe advice to people getting into it? Not to like, it, it's so difficult. Like there's almost too many hurdles. Like it's not worth a lot of chancing no. in those areas. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, if, if you feel compelled to get into this space, don't be afraid of it. I, I think it's more of a case of just take some time. Don't buy into everybody's, you know, sales pitch or whatever, you know, do your due diligence, go out there, do some YouTube research, talk to people, find out from other people who are the people who are respected in the space. Who are, um, you know, who are the people to avoid? Who are the people to gravitate to? Who have current advice? Um, what, um, you know, just just take the time to listen in and learn. And as Blake was mentioning earlier, I'm going to reiterate one more time, Blake, is, you know, uh, see a need, fill a need. You know, it's, it's, it's the whole thing of like, like, look for those, you know, if you're producing a product, look for the gaps where you know that you can improve and come out with a better mousetrap that you can come out with a better product and plan on highlighting that fact yep. in your image your title your product listing so that you're just screaming out that you know you can't really say it's like well this is objectively better than everybody else but you can certainly point out the fact it's like this feature this uh, it gives you this benefit which solves a problem that is obviously you know obviously not addressed by other products so don't just go out there and say i'm going to make some money i'm going to copy what's successful yeah find out what is broken and fix it fill yeah. a need that actually exists don't simply just copycat fifty thousand other people who do who have the same thought of like oh it's easy money 
Yeah. Not easy money. Care about who your target audience is. Yeah, because one of my one of my biggest things that I tell sellers too that are trying to launch or try to get on Amazon with a product that's the exact same as their competitor. You know, they're getting it from Alibaba, they're throwing their name on it and they're saying, you know, here we go. But my number one question when I talk to these sellers is, okay, so what's your plan? You know, you're selling the same product as your next door neighbor. What makes you any different than them other than the fact that it's you and a brand name? And they're saying, well, my product's better. My, well, why? It's no different. It's the same exact product. So what I, you know, tell people to do, you know, just from my experience of just listening is, you know, go to your competitor's page, go to the reviews, find out what the problem is with that specific, if you want to launch a product that's similar, of course, you know, go to the reviews, you're going to see people in there that say, well, it didn't do this, or it did that, or it didn't solve this problem, or it's too small or too big. Now you're getting some case studies and some legitimate case studies for free on how to better your product that's better than your competitor. So you can one up your competitor for sure. Right. hundred percent agree with that, Blake. And we, and we go back to the original point that we all made was you go from the timeline and the era of where we are and, uh, as e-commerce sellers, right? We used to buy, just go on Alibaba, buy whatever was kind of trending, throw it up line. You had like five or six, maybe even 20 of the same product. Yeah. Now we're in an era of now you have to find a differentiator or building a brand off of something yeah. where being different is the start of the best way to be successful on Amazon, right? Is fixing that problem that someone else has with widget XYZ. It only colors in black and that's it. Nope. I'm going to make it color in rainbow color. So I'm going to make it color and it's going to glow in the dark or I can make it, you know, like you said, Brian, close, close in the dark or some mask close in the dark. If that's a thing, that's kind of funny to me. Like I haven't seen that and I even thought about that, but if, that, if that's the product you guys are representing, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, and, and there's, like a, there's, a, there's a point of, of ridiculousness too, uh, is that um, too many options slows down the purchase decision of a consumer. Uh, when you slow down the purchase decision, they're less likely to actually convert. So uh, I see too many brands are like going, well, I, I came out with a red, blue and a black model. I'm going to come out with 15 other colors because that's just going to multiply my sales. And they find out, no, that doesn't actually work. Your conversion rate goes down. You're, you try, the one advice I would probably have is try to avoid product niches where there is a, a massive amount of selection, where there's multiple colors, multiple sizes, multiple patterns. You know, don't go into baby bibs, please. Nobody else, do not go into baby bibs um, unless you revolutionize the market because that is, is an example where people go in and they're uh, walking into an art gallery that's the size of Texas where they, you know, like they could just get, they get into decision paralysis because there's too many choices. Give them the path of saying, this is the one choice you need to make and it's clear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Don't give people options is really what it is. It's, it's putting a product in front of their face where they have no choice but to buy your product. You know, right. don't. Give them, make, keep it simple, stupid, right? Is that, is that the adage that we use? Yeah. So in that, in that regards, I know we're coming up on the top of the hour for for people who just like, obviously with the basics and foundations, and we talked a little bit about a little everything. And I think it's really cool for a Friday to, to have you both on and traveling the world or the United States, as you said, not the world. We're not, we're not there yet. Um, maybe from both of you guys, what, what's kind of like, what have you seen so far as maybe parting words so far in 2020? We're almost like, Four, we're past four months, so we're past the third of the, the year. 
2021, a lot of people thought one thing, like every once it turns 2021, it's going to fix this problem. What have we seen in 2021? And what's what's the next two thirds of the year going to look like in terms of you know innovation or pushing in different kinds of ways? Like we have so much in front of us still for this year. What, what are you guys excited about? What, what's kind of like that looking like for Canopy or yourselves? Yeah, you want to go first, Brian? Sure. So one of the things we probably see the biggest advantage of is uh, there's a lot of things that are going to occur in 2021. Um, certainly, Amazon's going to continue to roll things out. One of the things that they roll out, of course, is uh, additional features when it comes to targeting and um, talking to consumers, identifying who the consumers are and getting in front of them. Um, Amazon has two ad platforms, their standard PPC pay-per-click platform and also their demand side or DSP platform. Um, we're authorized to run both of those for, for our clients. And we're, we see one of the reasons why we see such a huge success on things like demand side platform DSP is because um, there is so many additional targeting options both on and off Amazon that allows us to talk to the consumer, retalk to the consumer that may have passed through our list, our product listing or a competitor product listing and bring them back over to the platform. Um, that what I predict is going to happen is going to start getting tied more into the social media aspects that Amazon has been rolling out when it comes to Amazon posts, Amazon live, so that you get more of the brand ambassadors, the, uh, the product or the community influencers tied into uh, showcasing products and their benefits. And then being able to roll that into, you know, combining uh, advertising with conversion rate optimization and with the social media aspects that Amazon is rolling out is going to be, in my opinion, a huge advantage for sellers who are early adopters of the, each of those. Yeah. Amazing. And Blake, I, any, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, actually, I completely agree with that. That's exactly where I was going with that is you're going to start seeing a lot of social media influencers starting to tap on to a lot of these Amazon businesses, you know, because they do have the following off of off of Amazon. They do have that traffic. They can create that traffic to run to Amazon. It's things like he's, he mentioned, Amazon Post. Um, it's using DSP. It's pulling people that are off the platform onto the platform. Amazon loves off-platform, you know, traffic. They love it. They think it's fantastic. It helps with everything. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see a shift in the market to where, now, you know, as Amazon integrates and Amazon's making their changes on how to outreach people, you know, it's starting to now tap into other things like Facebook and Google and Instagram and influence marketing and, you know, you name it to try to pull that outside traffic into um, into Amazon. And we're starting to see, you know, with Amazon posts that just recently came out um, that they're starting to move that way to try to pull some more traffic that's not Amazon based onto the, the platform. Yeah, it's all, it's all fascinating to know that Amazon's pointing people, not just to point them to their platform, but also to have ads that top away from it, potentially, if you wanted to, uh, to make that purchase. But the ad platform, everything's an ad now. I think that the fascinating article in Marketplace Pulse was almost everything on a listing is almost an ad now, instead of the only organic thing is going to be uh, frequently bought by a section. So I think we might shift back to that. Uh, you might see more a little bit more organic push. Uh, things trending that way, not everything just be ad. But that being said, uh, you, ne you never know what Amazon has its up its sleeve. They're always testing something. So gentlemen, thank you so much for hopping on today. I, I know it's a Friday. No one really wants to like do too much work on today, but uh, here we are. Uh, ho hopefully we're getting some stuff done. And everyone who's watching or listening to this, you learned a lot of it, valuable information. 
uh, about like the basics and building a foundation on Amazon. So thank you so much again, Brian. Safe travels as you continue. Like I, I like following and hearing where you're from and uh, or you're listening to, uh, from or t- tuning in from uh, right. all over. So and Blake, thanks so much again. Hopping on it again. If you're also not following these gentlemen on social media or even on Clubhouse, definitely check that out as well because they're frequent contributors and as well. You guys have a couple rooms that you open up uh, mm-hmm. quite frequently there as well. So yeah, correct. Awesome. So definitely, yeah, check that out. And then, of course, uh, check out Canopy Management. Go ahead and check out and click that in the show notes as well. I've applied for there. Um, go ahead and click on the link to learn more in Canopy, informa- uh, Canopy Management as well as, you know, just connecting with Brian or Blake. Gentlemen, anything else we want to have? They want to reach out to you or kind of like pick your brain for more stuff? I think you nailed it. I just I just say really appreciate being here, Ryan. Thank you very much. Of course. Uh, Blake, awesome as always. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I will uh, talk to you. We'll call this Blake's yeah. one-on-one meeting for the week or for the day that he has to check in with Brian. So he, he's free to do whatever he wants now. No, he's, he's got more important people to talk to on a weekly basis than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Of course, now friends of the show, anytime you want to hop on and talk a specific topic, more than welcome to do that. So of course, uh, be safe out there and then we'll, we'll catch you guys, uh, hopefully in person soon enough. Like, uh, I'm sure this will happen uh, eventually here in the next couple of months, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Great. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. guys. Thanks right. for uh, hopping on. Again, everyone, if you're tuning in for Crossover Commerce for the first time or if this is your 96th time, uh, we appreciate you tuning in, watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. If you have questions, go ahead and still submit those in the comments section. Tag us. Uh, follow Brian as well as Blake on social media. Uh, tag us or Canopy Management even to make sure that you get your question answered. Uh, but if you want to reach out to them, go ahead and check them out. Again, all their information is in the show notes below. So go ahead and check that out and uh, connect with them because they have great information that they're constantly push- pushing out there as well. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show, Crossover Commerce. Guys, next week is crazy for me. I have so many awesome guests um, from anywhere from Seller Rock, Rocket to AFB. TS um, and how to get 10 to 50% more of your Amazon out of your Amazon businesses. Um, I have the CEO and co-founder of assembly group um, who help also um, runs, you know, and owns different businesses like uh, helium 10, for example, for a lot of people who've listened and watched the show, he's going to hop on about the future of e-commerce software. And then on uh, next Friday, I have a really cool two hour show that I'm going to be bringing on past guests uh, for my 100th episode. I'm calling my, my, my 10 by 10, 10 guests, in two hours uh, for 10 tips and uh, pieces of information that they've seen so far in 2021, uh, just to help you in the e-commerce and Amazon world. So Jennifer there, uh, we'll start teasing those uh, episodes coming up here starting next week. But I'm recurring the host of this show. Uh, Check out Ping Pong Payments, like I said in the beginning, if you want to save money on international receiving or, um, you know, sending or receiving um, platform to help you save money and grow your business internationally uh tune in next week again crazy and exciting shows happening next week uh we'll catch you guys then on crossover commerce